Will you be digitized? Our data, personal transactional medical data as it is happening while we are doing it. Real time. Track and record, track and record, real time. Those great reset guys, they are way, way out there. How do we stop them from going way, 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 way out there with us? You have to be with humanity and you have to be informed. So you have to be with progressive radio voices. And that means you are at PRN.live. The official word on the mRNA vaccine is like plucking daisy petals. It works. It doesn't work. It works. It doesn't work. It works just long enough for you to get another booster. Number three, four, five, six. Is the booster bamboozle a billionaire bonanza or a bioweapon? What does it do? What doesn't it do? Hello, hello, my dear audience. Hello, my friends. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today, once again, we'll have an open mic show. Please feel free to call anytime if you have a question or a comment. I did not forget, next week we have a show of sharing your night dreams if you choose to call. Uh, the number here to call is 888-874-4888. Once again, 888-874-4888. You can call after my show and tell. Um, I I got into this habit every day of the the, the day of the show uh, I go on internet, my Facebook or YouTube, to see what catches my attention. And usually I find something interesting, interesting uh, that I want to share with you. Uh, today I listened to Martin Tupi speaking on Prager University site. He raises in response to a question, are we fortunate or unfortunate to live in our modern times. Uh, and I loved, I loved this five minutes, 35 seconds. So I actually want to try to play it for you. I'm not that technologically savvy, I think I told you, but let me play and see what happens. If it works, they will probably um, write to me from the studio if something is not working out. Okay, here we go. Are you worried about your future? Worse, do you even have a future? Many, especially those born in this century, are asking themselves these questions. In 2021, researchers at the University of Bath in England polled 10,000 people all over the world between the ages of 16 and 25. 
75% thought that the future is frightening. 56% thought that humanity is coming to an end. 39% stated that they were hesitant to have children because the future was so bleak. Are their fears legitimate? Or is it possible there is another side, a brighter side to the story? That we are, in fact, the most fortunate human beings ever. Just how lucky are we? The late great satirist P.J. O'Rourke summed it up in one word, dentistry. One could easily add electricity, air conditioning, and, lest we forget, indoor plumbing. Louis XIV's magnificent palace of Versailles had no proper waste facilities. People relieved themselves where they stood, in hallways, behind curtains, and in the gardens. One contemporary observer noted that Versailles was the receptacle of all of humanity's horrors. The passageways, corridors, and courtyards are filled with urine and fecal matter. This is Louis XIV we are talking about, maybe the richest man on earth at the time. Ask yourself this question. Would you prefer to live in a studio apartment with electricity, a window air conditioner, and indoor plumbing, or a Versailles palace with none of these things? In 19th century London, American philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson observed that no one wore white shirts. The pollution indoors turned everything black. Here's another blessing. Antibiotics. In 1924, Calvin Coolidge Jr., the son of the President of the United States, died from a blister from playing tennis on the White House court. Many of the best doctors of the day were consulted. Multiple diagnostic tests were run and he was admitted to one of the top hospitals in the country. Chelsea Follett, my colleague at the Cato Institute, has written. Yet, he died within a week of infection. Deaths from infection of a minor cut or blister were extremely common at the time, and no amount of wealth or power could save a patient. In almost every way, life is materially better than what it was in the past. And not just the distant past either. In 1997, a 42-inch TV screen cost $15,000. Today, you can buy one for under $200. So why aren't we more excited about the future and the new wonders that await us there? Because human beings are born complainers. Negative emotions are much more powerful and longer-lasting than positive ones. That's just the way we are wired. But the truth is that if you are living today, you are the beneficiary of countless life enhancements. And not just in developed countries, almost everywhere. Consider the following global statistics. Between 1950 and 2020, the average inflation-adjusted income per person rose over 300%. Between 1960 and 2023, the average life expectancy rose 46% from 50 years to 73 years. Between 1961 and 2017, the daily supply of calories rose 38% from 2100 to 2900. Today, even in Africa, obesity is a growing concern. Worried about the environment? There's plenty of good news there too. The chance of a person dying in a natural catastrophe, earthquake, flood, drought, storm, wildfire, or landslide fell by almost 99% over the last century. Between 1982 and 2016, the global tree canopy cover increased by an area larger than Alaska and Montana combined. In 2017, the World Database on Protected Areas reported that 15% of the planet's land surface was covered by protected areas. That's an area almost double the size of the United States. With so much good news around us, why are we so gloomy? A part of the problem is primeval. We have developed 
to be on the lookout for danger. That was the best way to survive when being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger was a real possibility. But while the world has changed, our genes have not. And our genes are programmed for danger. The media plays on our fears. Social media has it down to a science. As one study recently found, for a headline of average length, each additional negative word increased the click-through rate by 2.3%. And so, in a fierce competition for eyeballs, the sky is falling every day, all day. We are literally scaring ourselves to death with rates of anxiety, depression, and even suicide rising in some parts of the world. So then, how can you maintain your mental composure and keep matters in perspective? Here is the answer. Follow the trend lines, not the headlines. Not only will that put you in a better frame of mind, it will put you closer to the truth. And the truth is, you have a lot to look forward to. I'm Marianne Tupi, Senior Fellow at the Cato Institute and co-author of Superabundance for Prague University. Thank you for watching this video. To keep okay, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this uh, audio or Uh, or, or uh, actually it's a video, but I just played it for you. So um, now I will continue. There was a little problem with, with my computer, but I think everything is set. And they told me from the studio that you could actually hear this little recording and we are in business. So, and now ladies and gentlemen, uh, not uh, a show and tell, but a big tell, as I promised you last week, I shared with you last week, ladies and gentlemen, that I will be taking a turn or we may say a big addition to my show, just because I run out of new tools to speak about. For the last two years and almost nine months, I have been mostly sharing with with you all the techniques I learned over the last 45 years of my clinical practice. Now the only thing I can share with you uh, is my experience of utilizing these tools, but that's only if I work with a person on each individual case. But that can only happen if a person calls and asks questions or presents a problem. And some of you did just that. Not many, but some. And I even received your kind emails thanking me for you, my assistance. Some even called and thanked me publicly on this show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it very much. Um, I want to assure you that I will continue welcoming your calls with your questions, comments, and presenting challenges that you may be facing. Um, we'll also keep our last Tuesday of the month as a night dream sharing show, if there are people who want to talk about night dreams. But here is the new addition to the show, the new tool, if you will. In fact, the tool that if I manage to talk about, it will never Around, uh, run out of material. I will never run out of material. Let me keep this suspense. <laughs> uh, 
this is this tool is so potent so vast so deep that it has been utilized for the last 3332 years the tool that had an impact on 4.5 billion people and it's still serving as a spiritual guidance judicial instruction everyday practical apparatus and the searchlight for human potential yes ladies and gentlemen this tool is the torah or as christians call it the old testament and of course without the old testament there would be no new testament there would be no islam and that's where the number 4.5 billion uh, comes from from my understanding, and I apologize to those who do not belong to the majority that I will talk about, but to my understanding, the majority of people, excluding Orthodox Jews, majority of people never read the Torah from the beginning to the end, at least with simple commentaries on every chapter, on every passage. Uh, a verse. Uh, some of you may remember that my nephew Vlad, Vladimir, and I had a dialogue about the Ten Commandments already more than a year and a half ago, which are only a part of the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. In fact, 20th chapter has 23 verses, and the Ten Commandments are written in the 14 verses, 14 out of 23. Yet it took us four full hours, four shows to have this dialogue. And I know that many of you appreciated this dialogue because I received a lot of emails uh, after each show. So I do not know how long it will take me to cover each chapter. Uh, I know Genesis is broken up in 12 portions. Uh, um, uh, let me think. And, and it actually contains, these 12 portions contain 50 chapters. Uh, this, this is an artificial breakdown because the, the Torah or the, the, what you call it, Old Testament, uh, is actually continuous text. But the sages of the past broke them down uh, like this, in 12 portions and in 50 chapters. And that's Genesis. Exodus has 11 portions and 40 chapters. And the reason they're broken down in portions because a portion is several chapters uh, comprised with one or several connected ideas and they're read every week and so every week in the synagogues or people in private read a portion so the leviticus has 10 portions numbers have um, 10 portions deuteronomy has 11 portions altogether 54 portions for 52 weeks. A couple of uh, portions are read um, as two portions per week. And altogether, 
uh, it's 187 chapters. Not every chapter requires such an in-depth inquiry. Actually, I should correct myself. I, Peter Resnick, may not be able to go that deep in every chapter. But the sages, and even our contemporary wise people can. That is why thousands, not hundreds, but thousands of books are written discussing in depth every chapter, even sometimes one verse. Indeed, there is, there is actually a whole book discussing just the first verse of Genesis. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have to make a sort of a disclaimer. I am very comfortable talking about things that I know well, and that is my work. I'm not that confident talking about things of which I am only a student. And here is uh, what made me think about still doing it, even though, as I said, I am a student like many of you. And also let me tell you why I decided to talk about this subject. Because 63%, that's the poll uh, that tells us that 63% of American people call themselves either religious or spiritual. And the Torah gave rise to two other traditions uh, as, as Christianity and Islam. In fact, uh, Sikhism also took part of Islam, which is also a Brahmic religion. Uh, and it took Sikhism took part of Islam and part of Hinduism, as I understand. So it's such a text that survived more than any psychology or philosophy. In fact, psychology uh, was invented, in my understanding, as a, as a reaction to having no value system and no approach to deal with life because people stopped paying attention to or interpreting the Bible in a way that it was useful and helping to understand issues that people had to deal with. But let me tell you also how I came about uh, this idea of talking about the Torah. And I have a feeling, I know I told it to many people and during many lectures that I gave, I am not sure if I told you this story. If I did, hopefully some of you did not hear the story. And, and those who heard the story, I apologize, bear with me, please. Uh, two years and nine months ago, uh, in the beginning of December 2020, Gary Null called me <clears throat> and, and told me, listen, I want you to do this show. And, and I asked him again, how do you want, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, whatever you want. And I said, how do you want me to call it? What's the title? He said, choose the title. So I, it, that's very much like Gary Null. He gives you freedom to, to express yourself. He doesn't judge. And so once, once you, he believes that you have something to offer. But I was skeptical. And I think I told you this story that I was skeptical. I, this I definitely remember I telling you that I was skeptical. Uh, and then I looked at who, who else was doing shows on this net, uh, network. And I saw what Gary Noll was doing and Peter Bregan, 
who about whom I knew for many years, and then Michio Kaku, his show exploration. So I was inspired to join the club. So, but I didn't tell you in another part, or at least I don't remember telling you. And another part was, I was still not convinced. That's the truth. I was not convinced because I was busy already with clients, with writing, with teaching classes. So I actually called my rabbi. I called Rabbi Vaknin, who is a wonderful human being. And I said to him, listen, I have a question. Here is the story. And I explained to him and I said, even though it's a once a week show, but uh, it will take time. It will take time to prepare. What do you think? And so listen, he said, it's too important. I don't know. Let's go to the rabbi's grave. Let me tell you what rabbi's grave is. Uh, there was this incredible rabbi who died some 20 years ago. They called call him Lubavitcher rabbi, Rabbi Menachem Schneerzon. And he was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant rabbi. In fact, originally he was an engineer. I believe he graduated from Sorbonne in France, in Paris. And he invented different devices that American submarines are still using now. So, but he was an incredible teacher. And a lot of people revered him. Uh, prime ministers from some countries came to visit him and to ask him for advice. I think some of you probably heard about him. It's called Lubav he's called Lubavitch Rebbe. Rebbe Menachem Schneerson. And so when he died, they collected, his followers collected letters that he wrote to people, people wrote to him, and they found thousands of letters. And they were all on the letters where people would ask questions, rabbi questions, and he would answer them from uh, should I uh, move, uh, open a business or, or I should wait? Do I move to another town? Uh, I have a lawsuit. And so on, on thousands of different subjects, and he wouldn't give a short answer. And all these questions and answers, all these letters were published I believe it's seven or eight books, seven or eight book, full books. Um, and his followers started believing that if you send the question, if you come to Rebbe's grave and you write a question and then you tear up the paper and then you go to this one of these books, you choose randomly and then randomly choose a page, and the answer will come. You know, uh, probably uh, the same thing, maybe, maybe, actually, I don't know how probable it is, but possibly uh, if you open New York Times and you have a question about something and you randomly put your finger somewhere, then you may find something that will be relevant that you will be able to stretch maybe a little bit and it will be relevant to your question. That's also possible. I don't claim that only uh, Lubavitch Rebbe's letters have these answers, but a lot of people claim that it's very accurate, shockingly accurate. So I will tell you my experience. So Rebbe Vaknin said, you know, we pray at 7, 
7.30 in the morning usually. We get together in the synagogue. And he said, Peter, I will pick you up at 6.30 because the, his uh, Rebbe Schneerson's grave is not too far within 15-minute drive. So he said, I will pick you up at 6.30. We'll go to Rebbe's grave and we do this whole thing. And we'll see what, his, what the, the letters say. So we went through the procedure. I wrote a letter, should I do this uh, radio show? And I tear it up, I threw it on his grave. And then we went um, back into the building. Um, he said to me, choose the book. Remember, I do not uh, read, at least fluently. Uh, um, I don't read Hebrew. Uh, it will take me probably uh, an hour to read the whole one page. So I just pull out one of the books and he says, open, open the book. Uh, and I open it on randomly, of course, on any page. And there were several letters. So he said, put your finger on one. And I put the finger on one. And the letter says, my friend, probably the person answered some kind of a question. And the letter was saying, my friend, you have an incredible opportunity to reach thousands of people. Don't miss out on this opportunity and make sure you speak about God. So I said, wow, that's a very interesting, call it coincident or call it magic. But I said, okay, I'm doing the show. And all through this time, you know, I was thinking, but, but, but the letter said, the message was, and speak about God. Yes, I, I mention sometimes God, but that's not what I do. My show is um, about health. But as I said, a, a month, a month and a half ago, I was feeling I'm running out of new tools to present to you, ladies and gentlemen. And then I had this clear thought. But the greatest tool the tool that survived for millennia is the Torah. So that is why I decided to talk about the Torah. And that, I believe, will be the biggest intellectual challenge of my life. Because, because I need really to prepare seriously. I don't need much preparation for, or I didn't need preparation for these uh, shows when I spoke about anger, anxiety, depression, uh, relationship problems, because I worked with thousands of cases. So I just remember what, um, what, what the subject is. Chad, uh, write down a few main points that I want to make. And then when the show begins, I look at those points and, and I talk. But this is such a great responsibility that I'm taking upon, my, upon myself. I will have to do a lot of preparing. And we'll see what happens. I hope I will not lose you. We Again, you still are welcome to call any time, and I will drop the subject, and I will work on the issues that you want me to discuss. Or you're still welcome to send me emails and to ask me questions. It's still a show on healing and tools to become well. But as I say, as I said, uh, the Torah is the number one tool, or as, as my nephew Vlad calls it, perfect technology. 
to live to living a balanced, healthy, uh, full of energy life. So I will be using, I, it will not be coming from my head, I will be using uh, a number of sources when I start uh, talking about this subject, we'll start with Genesis. And even before Genesis, I will talk to you about um, about the Torah as being a divine versus not divine document. And I will make my case uh, that it is a divine document. And I will give you scientific, scientific means the word science comes from Latin sense, which means knowledge. Um, and it, I will give you information that will give you objective knowledge of um, how, why Torah is a, could not be written by a human being. You can, it could be possibly written by an extraterrestrial that knows past, present, and future. Yeah, then call it God or call it ET, doesn't matter. But first I will make that case. And then chapter by chapter, I will be talking about uh, the narrative of the Torah and the go or attempt to make sense and go into deeper meaning of every verse and even of every word. And as I said, I, before I do that, I will give credit to all the sources that I will be using because it will not be coming from me. Maybe very little of my own intuitive feeling about what I read but mostly it's the sources that I will uh, quote to you. But that will happen uh, in the next or oh, maybe two weeks from now, because I still want to finish one subject that I started, that I mentioned to you last week, and that is the subject of relationships. In fact, I think I told you uh, last week that this whole subject of six pillars of well-being was incomplete without uh, talking about one of the pillars, and that is our relationships. Because indeed, and you heard me say it many times, the quality of our life absolutely depends on the quality of our relationships. Uh, a lot has been discovered through hard experience especially in the last 60 years. Many psychologists, educators, uh, philosophers try to answer this question. How do we form healthy, loving, and lasting relationships? By the way, uh, as I'm starting, uh, as I start talking about relationships, I can pause now if you if you have any questions about so, so far or what I said, you're welcome to call. Or if you have a question on some other subject. Uh, if there are no calls, I will continue. So how do we form healthy, loving and lasting relationships? I would like to ask you a question, those of you who are interested in this subject. Uh, but you need to answer my question uh, with having a pen 
and in the paper or pencil in the paper. And you answer this question, how much time would you be willing to invest every day if you could increase your income by 20%, how much time you would be willing to invest every day if you would increase your income by 20%? And you can answer it to yourself. Remember, you don't need to reveal this. Nobody will read it. But at the end, you may make a, a an interesting observation or discovery. And now take that paper, and I would like you uh, to write down five most important things in your life. One, two words, uh, like sport, career, relationship with my partner, five most important things and then rate them in hierarchy of priorities of importance on a scale from one to ten. How important is each of them? My guess, your relationship will be one of these five important things. And my guess, uh, making money will be also one of those priorities. Now, next to the number uh, uh, that you gave yourself in, in, in terms of on the scale for, of uh, importance from one to ten, remember, next to that number, write down how much time you dedicate per week to implement each of those, to make those succeed. You probably will find it quite shocking when you see the numbers. I have a caller, so I will take the call. But I want you, if those of you actually who did this exercise, would be probably shocked to discover that, for example, and, and it's happened in many of my seminars, but people discover for making money, they are spending four or five times more time than for making their relationship, even though they wrote that the relationship is more important than making money. So let's take the call. Judy from Rockland County. Hello, Judy. You're on the air. Hello? Hello, Judy. Hi. Hi. How are you? I very well. Thank you, Judy. How are you? I'm good. I have a question. When you start talking yes. about the Torah, would you recommend that those of us who want to have uh, the Bible in front of us in English, because that's what I understand most, and if so, yes. which book would you recommend? What, what publication? Very good question. Uh, yes, I would suggest the book co uh, called... Uh, 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 
let me let me put you, I don't want to make a mistake. Let me pull it out. It's a stone addition. A what addition? Right in my hands. So it's a stone addition. Stone this stone addition. S T O N E. The okay. stone addition of the stone Torah. Addition. With English it? translation. I'm sorry, could you say that again? The stone edition, stone, S-T-O-N-E, edition. With English translation. Okay. But, uh, the stone edition actually has it. It's not even written there with English translation because the stone edition is the English uh, has Hebrew and English translation, and it has commentaries. If you go on for if you go on uh, Amazon and you write the Stone Edition, the Torah, um, it's actually called um, Humash. You know the, the Humash. It's a Hebrew word for five. A Pentateuch. It's five. So if you write simply stone edition of the Torah, it will come out. And that's, that's a perfect, um, I would say most people these days use that, although there are many other editions. But um, I find it, you know, remember English translations can be, uh, can be different. But the, he the Hebrew text is always the same. It did not change in 3,300 uh, 22 years, so that's that's not the question. But the, the translation is quite good in a stone edition. So that's my answer. Thank Any other questions? Thank you very so much. I'm, you are very welcome. I'm excited that there is one, at least one person interested. I'm, I'm sure there are other people, but now you confirm it by calling. Thank you very much, Judy from Rockland County. By the way, I used to live in Rockland County. So in uh, I enjoyed being there. Thank you. Thank you very much for calling. Okay. Uh, we are go we are, we go back there. Yeah, that's by the way it was Judy asked a good question. Yeah, those of you who would be interested probably would benefit having uh, this um Kumash, this five books of Moses, and it's um, a very good, very good translation. Um, even though still, even such a book, I found having a little mistake. Uh, it's arrogant probably of me to say, but I found that um, there was a translation the, uh, when when commandments are translated. Uh, it's written the the sixth commandment is translated as "Thou shall not kill," but it is not correct translation. The, transla the correct translation is "Thou shall not murder." So that's all. We will not go now into it. So let me continue now with our uh, conversation about relationships. So you probably noticed. Uh, that you spend much more time uh, contributing, thinking, making efforts 
uh, on pursuing your finances or other things than your relationship. And now I will teach you something that will, will require a couple, uh, which means two people practicing uh, every single day for a few minutes. In the couple, it doesn't mean that it's a wife and husband or romantic partners. If you have a friend, that's also fine. And you practice for three weeks. And then see by, if, if by the end of this, but by the end, even of the first week, you do not see any significant improvement in the quality of your relationship regardless of where your relationship is, to drop it, okay? My, my thesis, my proposition is that you will, anybody that I gave this exercise, and they did practice it, as I said, every day, every person reported significant changes. So every morning when you wake up, you think about all the blessings that the other brings into your life, whether it's your child, uh, your loved one, uh, your, your lover, your husband, your partner. Just think, you wake up and think about every blessing that this person brings into your life without yeah, but, no but, just only the blessings. And then think of one thing you could do that would make the other happy. One thing that you could contribute to making the other person feel good. Okay? It's a very simple exercise and see what will happen. If you do it for a week and you find it useful, do it for three weeks. You may get addicted to it. Just try it out. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We are instructed in the Bible again. When we are with ourselves. Oh, we have another caller. E from Edgewater. I know this man. Let's take that call and then you will continue. Uh, Eve from Edgewater, welcome. You're on the How air. How are you, Dr. Resnick? Hi, How, uh, glad to speak with you again. I'm glad to hear from you. How, uh, you have a question or a comment? Well, I have a comment that I feel like I've been calling you a few times and I wanted to talk about was the rule that God gave us to not take from the tree of knowledge. Was that just for Eve and Adam, or was that for all of us, and they, rep they were representing us as humanity, Adam and Eve, when they were told not to take from the tree of knowledge, just take from the tree of life. When they messed up, we got many chances since then, and we keep taking from the tree of knowledge. We can't stop doing it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I, I have to tell you, you know, I, I welcome questions and I welcome discussions on other subjects because we are going actually 
as I, you probably heard this show from the beginning, we are going to go in depth and I would love you to call them and we'll have a big discussion because I, it feels to me that you have a lot to say on this subject. So we'll go in great detail because you are talking now about the first chapter of Genesis. So we'll go, we'll spend the whole show probably just on one chapter. We may not even come to the end of the first chapter. So, but it's a good question. I just don't want to, to address it now, if you don't mind. Okay? Okay. Could I just add a little something on? I believe that when people went to college back in the 30s and the 40s, yes. they were buying into a, a system that they thought was good, but it was really a Ponzi scheme. And like any good Ponzi scheme, the people that get in on the bottom level, that get in on the start, they do very good. So you and Gary Null and uh, Gerald Salente, you all went to college and you all did well. You have great careers because you set your mind to it and you deserve everything that you got. I'm not criticizing anything. I'm just saying you bought into something and now you're not going to go against it because it was successful for you. So the people that buy into a, a Ponzi scheme and then they end up losing all their money, they're the ones that are going to be hurt by it. And if we all, uh, and because of our lack of foresight, we are, we are inventing the machines that are going to take our place for the rich people to not need us anymore. You understand? They only yeah. need money to to give us a salary every week, that that proves that we're not slaves, but we're still slaves. Money means nothing. God uh, told us. Uh, God told yes. us not to take from the tree of knowledge. We should have stayed like the Native Americans were and respected the planet as our mother earth, and then everything would be fine because we have invented all of these chemicals and and destructive things. The atom bomb, all these things came from the tree of knowledge. Without going to school and college, we would have never invented all of this junk. And we would be living beautiful lives just like Gary Knoll's retreat. Every day would be a retreat on this beautiful planet Earth if we never went to school. That was our big mistake, and I don't know how to correct it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I thank you for your comment. Uh, e, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you when we discuss uh, the the first chapter of Genesis. Thanks, thanks for calling. Okay, me. Dr. Resnick. Also, yeah. I went to Ukrainian camp up in uh, Ellenville, New York. Do you uh -huh. know the Ukrainian camp up there? Back in 1968, I was 16 years old. You were 16 years old. Maybe you worked in that camp that I went to with my friends. We were invited <laughs> no, there. No, no, no I was in the Soviet girl. Union. I came to America at the age of 27. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I remember hearing you said you worked in uh, camps. Oh, yes. You do pay attention. Thank you. No, I worked in camps, uh, in summer camps in the Soviet Union, um, oh. in, in Odessa. It's a beautiful sea resort, and there were many, many camps uh, all along this, the, the coast 
and I worked in one of the very big camps. In fact, my sister Ina worked with me. Anyway, thank you very much for calling and me, and I will thing, go back to relationships. Dr. Resnick, the, yes. the last thing I just wanted to say is that Zelensky and, and Putin and Biden are all buddies, and they're killing those innocent people in Ukraine on purpose. Thank uh, you for taking my call. Thank you for, thank you for calling. Bye bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, back to um, he actually made some very interesting comments. Uh, it's it's he, he commented on a number of issues. Um, and if I would have more time, I could actually break down um, this what what he sh shared and have three different discussions. Uh, but hopefully he will call in the future and will will take time and have these discussions. Anyway, <clears throat> the way we relate, I, I said, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself, uh, but we are our own neighbor uh, if we are all alone. <clears throat> so then we have other people. But before anything, we need to learn how to relate to ourselves. The way we relate to ourselves, we relate to the world. And we have an impact on uh, everyone, on everyone else. You know, in fact, they say, <clears throat> excuse me, they say, you are some of five people that you spend the time the most. So. Think about five people that surround you, with whom you spend time, and that's who you are. That's what forms your, <clears throat> excuse me, emotional and psychological makeup. How we feel as individuals affects our relationships. Uh, step one in making all our relationships work is mastering our relationship with ourselves. Our, we, we ourselves must have a vision, have awareness, belief that happiness, fulfillment, financial success, wonderful relationship with the person in our life are possible. Without our belief that those things are possible, we'll not have that which we want. If we believe, oh, uh, job market is terrible, but I want a job, we already said in our mind that we cannot get a job because market is terrible. Or there are too many women and there are fewer men, so it's very hard to find a good man particularly. Then you cannot find a good man. Believe creates experience. How can it be true? Spiritual traditions have been teaching this for millennia. Yes, the inner informs the outer. We must have confidence that it is possible to have a wonderful, fulfilling, spiritual, emotionally, sexually satisfying relationship. We must believe that we deserve such a relationship. We must feel that it is safe to have such a relationship. 
The old paradigm, of course, tells us that the experience creates beliefs and the past creates the future. Now, the new paradigm, the paradigm based on the latest discoveries in quantum physics, in addition to what spiritual traditions have been saying, I'm now talking about today modern discoveries. These discoveries postulate that the future creates the present against the backdrop of the past. Uh, not all physicists um, say this, but some. For example, um, theoretical physicist Fred Allen Wolf in his book, Spiritual Universe, Where Physics and Spirit Meet, discusses that every thought we have goes out as a quantum wave and comes back as an echo wave when we step into the future. For example, a week ago, you made a commitment to listen to this show on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Today, you stepped into the echo wave and collapsed all other possibilities. So the question is, what other thoughts are you sending into the future? And more and more, the more you reinforce those thoughts, the more you, you increase the possibility that you will step into those thoughts. So you have to be cautious of what thoughts you are sending into the future. I will get breast cancer like my mother. Uh, remember, we have five, 6,000 thoughts a day. Or this relationship is not, just not working. Or I'm not making enough money. We have nightmare futures, and we have great futures. Which future do you want to breathe life into? Think about it. So you have to begin to send messages, that is to create visions, and focus on those visions uh, of what receiving what you want to receive. Uh, I will we'll probably do it next week. Uh, I will decide whether next week we'll finish the subject of relationships or I will start our Bible study and then finish the following week. But what we'll do is we'll do practical exercises for improving our relationships. But for now, I just want you to remember this assignment that I gave you. Um, you wake up every morning and think about all the blessings that the other person in your life brings into your life. And then one thing that you could do that will make the other person feel good. And also remember you wrote down, if you had an opportunity to do this, you wrote down those things in hierarchy of priorities which are important to you and you very possible you discovered that you spend less time or the least of the time on working in your relationship even though having a healthy and loving relationship is uh, one of the very important things so then choose to spend more time that is spend more time of thinking what you could do to make that relationship better. Not what you expect from the other person. We'll talk about that too. 
we'll, we, we may take even more than one show talking about how to make the relationships work. But for now, get this, um, do this assignment. If you have questions about the assignment, you're absolutely welcome to send me an email at uh, drpeterresnik at gmail.com, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. I will be happy to read your comments, or if you have some questions or issues you want me to address in one of the shows, I will. But for, um, for now, I am. I will be working still on uh, preparing our Bible classes. I would love, absolutely, would love to hear from your emails if you are uh, happy. You are looking forward to talks about the Bible, or you are disappointed. I want your feedback because this show is for you, as I said many times. So I'm looking forward to having your attention next week. Thank you for being with me today. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace.